0: That's what it looks like when a family gets called in and they find out that they finally have a sponsor. It's worth the world, isn't it? God's a world changer. And think about that. That's somebody around the world that may never, ever meet that little kid. But what I love is what the mama said. God has responded. God has has responded, and maybe he 's using you to respond. I remember when I called my wife Lorena to tell her about this program, and uh, i couldn 't talk and she 's like honey i don 't know how to agree with you because you won 't stop crying <laughs> and i uh, it was it was it was life changing and um, and and we have never regretted And there have been lean times in those 10 years, but it's God has always provided that ability to make sure that we have something to give. And we've always made sure that we've kept that commitment to God because he called us to that and to see and hear and watch how God can change the world through a guy like me. Is pretty amazing and he can do the same for you. So if you haven't had a chance, we have sponsor we have children that are sponsored. The only thing I caution you with is please do not take a packet unless you are really going to sponsor that child. Because if you take that packet, that child's name goes out of that rotation. And if you set it somewhere in your house, that child has to start from scratch all the way back. So please don't do that. If you're going to do it, take it and pray about it and then trust the Lord. But don't take it unless you're going to do something, because if not, you could be destructive to that process. So pray and ask the Lord Jesus for help. Amen. Well, we are so uh, excited to continue in our series, Parables, and uh, today we continue in a, a parable, and this parable is called the Pharisee and the Tax Collector, and we've been looking at Jesus' earthly stories with spiritual truths. And so today, as we get to uh, to this message, the first question I want to ask you is going to require faith, Okay, now faith whether you already are a believer in Jesus then you already believe in a place called heaven you already believe that God is preparing a place called heaven and if you don't believe yet and you're at that place I want you to take just a moment with me and assume there's a place called heaven okay so I want you to work with me so wherever you find yourself on your journey just imagine with me that you're standing at the gates of heaven And I want you to imagine that God himself asks you this question. Why should I let you into my heaven? God asks you a simple question. "Why Why should I let you into my heaven? Now, many people are going to plead their case. Some are going to say this. I have been a good person. That's what they're going to say. They're going to say, I've been a good person. Other people are going to say, hey, listen, what I've done, it never hurt anyone never hurt anyone. Uh, Others are going to say, I went to church. I went to church. Some are going to say, I gave a lot of money to the church. Some are going to say, I sponsored a compassion child. Some are going to say that. Some are going to say that I have kept the Ten Commandments. (laughs) Survey time. Survey says (laughs) And some people are already mad about that, right? But here's a simple question, and I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hands on this. How many people have ever told a lie? You know, who, you know what people who tell lies are? They're liars. They're liars. Okay, so you just admitted in church you're a liar, and if you didn't, you're a liar. How many people have ever stole something? I'm not, don't qualify. What's this little teeny tiny piece of candy? If you stole something, you stole something. How many people have ever stole something? What do they call people who steal stuff? Okay, so you're a liar and a thief. Welcome to church on Sunday morning, right? (laughs) Now here's one. How many people have ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Even if you have used it in anger and said, Jesus Christ or God. That's called blasphemy. So now you're a lying, cheating, blasphemer. We ain't done yet. I'm just a number three. You know what I mean? I'm going to stop at four, though, because then that's enough. Number four, how many people not looking at anybody, how many people have ever looked at another person with lust in your heart? All right. You know what that makes you? A lying, cheating, blaspheming, adulterer. Welcome. Right. So so now that we have now that we have accomplished and agreed upon a few things about our goodness, the Bible in Romans chapter three says no one is good. No, not one. Not one person is good. So when you find yourself in that position, we find ourselves there. And some people would say, hey, I only broke four of the commandments. I'm, I'm still about, you know, I'm a 60%. Can I get in? Right? No. Now, 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 here's the problem. If I ask some people and I say, you broke the Ten Commandments, and you say you only broke four out of the ten, so God should let you in, or you would say, hey, I know God would let me in, then you just broke commandment number one, and you made a God in your own image a warm fuzzy god that hugs you doesn't care about holiness and doesn't care about justice and you made a god in your own image so you're up to five see it just keeps getting worse from then and there so so when we come to this place it's hard to hear for people who truly believe they're good people it's hard to hear not a lot of people like to hear it. Imagine, Imagine this, and I'm going to try and, and, and bring it into a sense that maybe might make a little bit of sense to us uh, in our culture today in 2019. Uh, imagine that I told you I had some good news for you today, that that, that anonymous person paid a $2,500 traffic ticket for you. All right? They paid it in full for you. Now, some people are going to say, I, they didn't pay it for me because I didn't do nothing. Right? You say, what is? That don't make sense. They should have gave me that $2,500. I don't have a $2,500 ticket. Right? The good news, that really wouldn't be good news because you didn't feel it. You didn't see it. You don't feel like you needed it. Right? But then, then you find out that there were some of those little cameras around. See, this happened to me in Virginia. I still think it was a setup, but anyway. My wife believes. She's like, you got a speeding ticket, right? Because she was happy because she had one and I didn't, and I was always like, girl, I ain't got no speeding ticket. I still plead the fifth on that, but they do have my picture. Right? Right? So then we say that that it's safe to say that the good portion of us this week have sped somewhere, right? Now, let's just say that they have a camera of you speeding through a school zone, and there were multiple warnings. Then all of a sudden you find out that it was you, and they have a picture of your car and license plate, no matter how much you plead the fifth. Somebody... Got your picture, and you owed some money, and somebody stepped in and paid for you. Now, by me telling you exactly what you did, explaining it to you and showing you a picture of it, all of a sudden that good news is really, right? Right? It's truly good news. It's the same way with us, and that's what we just did a minute ago with lying, cheating, all those different things. Jesus is not an anonymous donor. Jesus is not an anonymous advocate. He stepped in because God's law said you were lying, cheating, blaspheming adulterer. And Jesus stepped in to give you forgiveness. See, once it's explained, you go, yeah, that's me, right? You don't want God to roll that tape, do you? I know I don't want him to roll my tape. You know what I'm saying? But the function of God's law is to show our desperate need for God. You see, to show that we fall short and to show that no one is good, not even one. To cause us to stop trying to justify ourselves, the law does not justify us. It just reveals our desperate need for help and our desperate need for hope. And if we trust in ourselves, it reveals that we're hopeless and helpless. The law makes the good news make sense. The law makes the good news make sense. That's why the Bible is so valuable to us, because it makes good sense, and it makes good news for you and me. And so as we come to this parable today, we come to the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And here it is in Luke. I've printed it for you. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves. Everybody say, trusted in themselves. That they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Now that kind of is an oxymoron because they trusted in themselves and yet they looked down on others. Isn't that already a sin? So two men went up to the temple to pray. One Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like that old wicked tax collector over there. I fast twice a week, hallelujah. I give tithes of all that I get, praise the Lord. But the tax collector, standing far off, he wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, look at this. This man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. May the Lord add His blessing on His Word. We come to this place where the Pharisee and the tax collector are here, and Jesus is trying to help religious people, especially people who've maybe been in the church a while walking with Jesus a while, not to let not to forget god's grace and His mercy, not to forget His goodness and his love, and not to start to lean on your religion. I said, not to lean on your religion but instead to lean on your relationship with Jesus Christ, which says you're not perfect, but you're being what? That's the answer. And so, so this is the essence of the gospel. This person trusted in themselves as righteous and treated others with contempt. And that's what the danger of religion will do versus relationship. If you have a relationship with God, you're always going to remember who he is, who you are, and who he loves. When you have a religion, you start thinking about who you are and how glad you are that you know him and nobody else does. Right? And so, so here's this, this Pharisee, and, and, and Jesus spoke often of, of, of self-righteousness, and he's pleading with his hearers here in this parable that you can't be righteous enough to ad- obtain or attain the kingdom of heaven. You just can't be righteous enough. You can't do enough. You can't fast twice a week and tithe and do all those things if it's just out of religious practice and not relationship. What's the purpose of fasting? To get closer to God. What's the the purpose of giving? To acknowledge that we give to God because he first gave to us. And so, so Jesus is really helping them to understand the mission was to save sinners because we can't save ourselves. But unless you admit you're a sinner, you can't be saved. And so the Pharisee thought his own goodness surely couldn't fail to make him acceptable to God. And and he did what many of us do. Well, at least I'm not that person. At least I don't do this. Now, I might do this, but there's a level. No, there's not. The Bible says liars, cheaters, adulterers, murderers, gossips are going to find their place in the lake of fire. Now when we start to understand that, we start to understand that no religious ceremony or keeping of traditions is going to put you in right standing with God. The first thing I want you to see is life by comparison, is the Pharisee is the epitome of self-justification. His prayers lack even a hint of confession. He has zero hint of confession. When I was talking with our men in Bible study uh, a couple of weeks back, I started talking about communion and how you should always examine yourself before you take communion because you want to make sure that there's nothing. The Bible is very specific about that in 1 Corinthians 11. It says you need to, you need to examine your own heart. But people don't like to hear that. And, and then many times people shy away from that because we don't want to offend anybody. You want to offend God instead? What? You want to offend God instead of man who is fickle and you'll be a hero, zero, zero, hero in a heartbeat? Just say no? I'm just asking. So you have this self-justification and you have this lack of confession. He has no element of confession. He doesn't ask for forgiveness of sins because he, he, as far as he's concerned, he's got nothing to confess because he's standing across from a tax collector, a sinner. So he thinks, hey, I'm a churchgoer. And they're just dirty old rotten sinners, so surely God's going to let me in. The question isn't that. The question is, do you know my son or not? That's the real question that Jesus wants to know. He doesn't want to know how many times you went to church and how many times he went to church. He doesn't care about that. What he's more interested in, that personal relationship that you have. Nor is, the the funny thing about this Pharisee is you don't find him praising God. You find him praising himself. Look at what it says here. Even the Pharisees' expressions of thanksgiving are steeped in self-exaltation. He's like, "Woo! I thank God that I'm awesome. He doesn't say, I thank God that God's awesome. He said, I thank God that I'm awesome, that I'm not like all those heathens. And the truth of the matter is, the only reason that we aren't is because of Jesus, because He's transforming us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Or we would be just like that. And we just this just in, you used to be. When I go back to where I come from, and I remember I was one of those people. It might have been a couple decades ago. But every once in a while, Wilmington rises up in this boy. You know what I'm saying? Every once in a while. Just yesterday, my wife's like, okay, Pastor. You know I was driving. She said, okay, Pastor. I said, be quiet under my breath, with my eyes. The funny thing about this is that when you, you can't find any reason to praise God because you're praising yourself over all that you have done, not recognizing if it wasn't for God, you, there would be nothing. And I, I'm going to say this, and, and I want you to, to, to even check it out all through Scripture. God doesn't hear those kind of prayers. You don't believe me? Go to Isaiah 58. Go to the Psalms. These wicked people, God says, I didn't hear you. They would say, we were fasting and we were doing it. He said, you only fast to manipulate me. I got nothing to say to you. When you start loving the poor and reaching the poor, then, then I'll hear from you. Until then, I ain't got nothing to say. As a matter of fact, go have a Big Mac. Because you're over here looking all, oh, I'm hungry. And Jesus is like, it ain't doing nothing for me. Get you a supersize. And shut up while you're doing it. But if you give that some of that supersize to the poor, then holler at me. This is what's happening as we look at this. And the tax collector, he stands at a distance, probably at the outer room. And as he's calling out, he's, he's calling out to God, knowing of his unworthiness, knowing that all he has is the hope that the God that he's heard about is merciful and kind and loving and just and good and not like this other guy. But he's not even judging that guy. He's just saying, oh God, help me. God, have mercy on me. I'm at your mercy. The burden he carried was so overwhelming he couldn't even lift his eyes to heaven. I've been there. I've been there. And he speaks from his heart. And God was listening intently to his prayer. The tax collector exhibits exactly what Jesus spoke about. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does being poor in spirit mean? Number three, being poor in spirit means admitting that we're spiritually and morally bankrupt and unable to pay for our own sins. We just have "Have mercy on me. We just simply say, please forgive me, God. I need your grace to make it through. Lord, all I have is you, and I'm at your mercy. And Lord, I'll serve you until my dying day. And I'll help others find the way at your mercy. So please forgive me. That's all you have. You understand I got nothing. I'm empty. I'm impoverished. I'm despised. I'm bankrupt. I'm pitiful. I'm desperate. I'm a beggar. And God takes paupers and makes them princes and princesses. Amen. We just have to get to that place. We have to get to that place where we understand. You see, number four, the tax collector recognizes his sinful condition and knows he's at the mercy of God. The Pharisee thinks he can lean on his own morals, on his laurels, on his behavior, and even in the process, he was already breaking God's law in the process. But, but the tax collector, he's recognized man... I'm brokenhearted over my sin. And Jesus said something so powerful. He said, that man went away justified. That man was made righteous. You know why he was made righteous? Because he repented, he confessed, and God forgave him. The other man didn't walk away righteous because he didn't have anything to confess because he was trusting in his religion. That man walked away knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt that he has now a relationship with God. No amount of good works, no amount of church attendance, no amount of tithe, no amount of community service, no amounting of loving our neighbor is enough to blot out our sin. The only thing that blots out our sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. And nothing else. That's why God sent His Son, and that's why this morning we started with that same communication, because some people, until you know you're sinners, you don't know you need a Savior. That's why I asked, have you ever lied? And you said, yeah, and you're a liar. I asked, have you ever stolen? And you said, yeah, and I said, you're a thief. I said, have you ever taken God's name in vain? And you said, yes, and I said, you're a blasphemer. I said, have you ever looked at another person with lust in your heart? And you said, yes, and that makes you an adulterer. That makes you in desperate need of our God because if you have broke the law in one, you have broken all the law. Now, did I do that to be like the Pharisee and say, I'm glad I ain't like you? I said, nope, I'm in. Jesus Christ saved sinners of whom I am the worst. And then I told you I already committed sin. This week. We have to understand God's grace. We have to understand that Jesus came to make us acceptable to God. And you can walk out those doors justified, made right, not by religion, but by a relationship. And how are you going to stay right? A relationship, not by religion. You can go and do all those religious practices and still find yourself far from God. Sometimes worse off because you think when you stand before God, it's going to be all right. Matthew 25 says, didn't I do this in your name? Didn't I do this in your name? Didn't I do that? And Jesus said, yeah, but I never knew you. He said, didn't you? You did a lot of religious things. That's great. But I didn't know you in a personal relationship. You see, Jesus specifically warns us of the attitude at the beginning of the parable. When we justify ourselves by comparing ourselves to others, we naturally end up despising them. When our standard of comparison is standing next to God, all of a sudden we realize just how far, how far we fall. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so today, I want to give you that opportunity to ask yourself the question, where am I at on that journey? If you're all right with God, you already know you're all right with God, and we're good. But there are some people in the room that maybe didn't know that. And now today, you know that you need God. You have a choice. You can stand over as the Pharisee, yeah, but I don't do this, and I don't do that. Yeah, so I lie, I cheat, I blaspheme, and I adulterate. That's, uh, we're doing all right. At least I'm not. Or you have a chance to stand on the other side. Say, God, I got nothing. I got nothing. But if you forgive me, I'll tell the world that you forgive. And if you forgive a guy like me, I'll go tell the whole world that you forgive guys like me. so now it's our time would you bow your heads father in the name of jesus we stand here today totally dependent on you utterly dependent on you not religion instead relationship and we pray right now lord we pray for each person here that they might see themselves as you do and that they'll recognize how much you love them by sending your son No amount of religion can save them, but a personal relationship with your son Jesus can. If you're here today and you say, man, I want a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I need Jesus more than I need religion. I need Jesus more than I need anything. Would you just slip your hand up high in the air today? Anybody in the house? Yes. 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 I need Jesus. Yes. 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 Thank you. Yes. You got yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. You guys may place your hands down. Everyone within the sound of my voice, we're going to pray. And it's just prayer is talking to God. It's from your heart to God's. You don't even have to say it out loud. You say it from your heart to God's heart. And he hears you. Just simply say, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus, I need you. I confess that without you, I have nothing and I am nothing. But with you, I have everything And I can be everything you called me to. I am forgiven. I am changed. And I will go tell others what you did for me. And I will never, ever look down upon other people. Instead, I will always use my life to point them to you. It's in the precious name of Jesus that I pray. And the church of Jesus Christ said, amen. amen." Amen. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap today? Because he's an amazing God. If you said that prayer, welcome to the kingdom of God. I do want to remind you, if you'd like to be baptized Easter Sunday, we have baptism at Passagrill Beach. You can get details. We'll give you five invites to pass out uh, to friends to invite them to your baptism. You can sign out up in the foyer. Remember, compassion.